0: Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs.
1: For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs with former blues defenseman jamie rivers i'm brandon Kylie. let's go out to the brown and crouppen celebrity line we've been celebrating this all week it is long gone summer week on 101 espn we're going out to the brown and crouppen celebrity line to continue doing so with chip carries the former cubs play-by-play voice during the summer of 98 he's now the voice of the braves chip how are you doing today I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Uh, We're doing all right. So let's start with what that summer was like for you. We know what it was like here in St. Louis, but as the voice of the Cubs at that point in time, what is your lasting memory of what that summer was like?
0: Well, for me personally, I walked into a whirlwind. Uh, Personally, it was uh, tragic. I was supposed to work with my grandfather. He passed away before uh, the baseball season started. So going from a guy who was going to sort of serve an apprenticeship and learn at the knee of the master (laughs) to Mm the road games and some of the home games, uh, I was sort of thrust into that main role very unexpectedly. And from a a family standpoint, very tragic because I didn't know Harry very well. Uh, But from a professional standpoint, man, what an entree. Uh, Very entertaining. Mm -hmm exciting cup team that had Kerry Wood strike out 20 guys. Uh, Henry Rodriguez, uh, hit 31 home runs that year. Uh, Rod Beck saved 51 games, had a very good entertaining team for a Cubs club that came off a disastrous 1997 year. Uh, I got to work with Steve stone and Arnie Harris who are broadcasting legends in Chicago. And obviously Sammy Sosa doing what Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire did, uh, for a guy that was new to the market. Uh, as you guys know, when you have the good fortune of covering a good team, uh, that helps, shall we say, make your entree a little bit more acceptable, and uh, for me, being Harry Carey's grandson and all the baggage that came with that, uh, having a good baseball team and a great partner to work with, made that transition very easy, and obviously, uh, the historic nature of Sosa and Carry Wood and others uh, made 1998 unforgettable in a lot of other ways, too.
2: Yeah, Chip, it, it's kind of where I was headed, is you know, you being uh, the grandson of Harry Carey, that right away for you is going to create expectations and certainly a buzz sure. among a fan base but then you throw in Kerry Wood and Sammy Sosa who's knocking things out to the moon and this season turns into you know one of the former players the De Lionel from the Cardinals yesterday said it was like beatlemania following around yeah. Maguire and Sosa so for you in your first year that had to be quite an undertaking
0: It was great. Uh, Really, the games broadcast themselves. I mean, that's what made it easy. Uh, You know, look, Chicago's a very provincial place. You've got Cubs fans and White Sox at each other's throats, right? (laughs) You've got all that stuff. I mean, they don't like each other very much. My grandfather started in Chicago on the south side, defected, if you will, to the north. Uh, He had his detractors. He had his fans. And I bore the brunt of that to a certain degree because, as you said, I think there was a lot of expectation that I was going to come in and be the next Harry Carey. Yeah, I've got that name, but I'm very much my own person. And at that stage in my life, I was a new father. Uh thirty-two years old with a you know four or five month old little girl. Uh, you know, I was very much still a family guy. I was not the mayor of Rush Street by any impression, and and uh, I think people came to accept that the more they got to know me and got to know my personality. But to your point, yeah, I mean it was really uh, just just hang on for the ride. And luckily, uh, Steve Stone, who knew all the Chicago politics, was a wonderful friend. Uh, we clicked immediately, uh, uh, intellectually, socially, uh, from a baseball standpoint. Uh, you know, chemistry is something you can't fake. We had. It for the very first broadcast we did, and still maintain a great friendship, uh, even though we haven't worked with each other for you know a decade and a half, if not more. Uh, but you know that was that was the great thing about it. As I said, when you are fortunate enough to step in and have a real good team, it's a lot easier to broadcast than when you're losing a hundred games every year, and everybody either wants to blame you, which did happen <laughs> a time or two in Chicago, as we all know, uh, or uh, you know you, people tune out because the team's not worth watching. So again, 1998 for me a, a huge
1: groundbreaking year and uh, was lucky
0: enough to be in the right place at the right time.
1: We're talking to Chip Carey. He was the Cubs play-by-play voice in the summer of 98, now the voice of the Braves about that long-gone summer. It is long-gone summer week on 101 ESPN. did want to ask you because Rivs mentioned that yesterday we talked to Delano DeShields and we asked him, at any point did you think that Sammy Sosa was actually going to win this thing? Did you think that he was going to end up as the home run leader for the season? And he said no. There was never a moment in time where he thought Big Mac was not going to win the home run chase. What about if I asked you that question, Chip? Was there a moment in time where you're like, oh my God, Sammy's going to be able to do this?
0: Well, I think Sammy had the lead for one day, if I remember correctly. Uh, You know, Obviously, Junie hits 20 home runs. That was amazing, and that's when I think everybody started to say, wow, this is an incredible accomplishment. But I think he led uh for one day. Um, you know, Sammy really relished the role of kind of being the Robin to Batman, if you will. Uh you know, he did not deal with uh the home run chase with a great deal of angst or animosity from my perspective you know there were days where he was less chatty than others and you know the scheduled interviews and all that kind of stuff i'm sure got to be a pain in the you know what uh but i think he and mark mcguire did a remarkable job of marketing themselves and highlighting what was the most talked about event in sports that year and that was what these two guys were doing you know sammy would hit a home run in the afternoon at wrigley mcguire would hit two home runs in st louis and then sammy would hit one the next day to tie him. uh it was just such great theater and and, and so important for the sport quite obviously but um, you know it just seems sort of fitting that for so many years the Cubs always played second fiddle to the Cardinals in the standings uh, that that, you know Sammy was probably resigned to being along for the ride and I think that's why he felt that most of the pressure was on McGuire because he led the race head to head most of the summer but uh, it would have been nice it would have been a feather in the cap but ultimately the biggest accomplishment was the Cubs went to the playoffs and I think uh, Sammy was very happy about that as well
2: now, Chip, I, I like to dive behind the curtain a little bit, and and you know we certainly find out a little more about Mark McGuire being here in St. Louis. Yeah, mm. I want to talk about Sammy Sosa and what what was his demeanor. Like, off the field, in the clubhouse, away from the game. Just wondering if the pressure got to him at all. If, you know, quite honestly, to be frank, was he a good teammate? Did his teammates appreciate what he was doing for the club? And were they buying into Sammy Sosa? Just a little peek at it. Well, I can't answer it from a teammate's perspective because I wasn't in the locker room
0: with those guys as teammates. I was in the locker room every day as a broadcaster. I heard Kevin O'Ree's interview with uh, uh, Randy this morning, and Kevin was the third baseman on that team, and you know, look, Sammy had his quirks. There's no doubt about it. He had his salsa music, and he played this Sammy Sosa song, Ad nauseum, and it drove people crazy. Mm-hmm. There were some quirks about him and some perceived selfishness things that probably rubbed people a long way, but you know what? When uh, your big horse is carrying you, there's not really a whole lot you can do about it. If that makes him happy, he's hitting home runs the teams winning the games, you tend to tolerate those things a lot more. Uh, From a media perspective, anything we ever needed from Sammy Sosa, we got from Sammy. He was incredibly cooperative. Uh, Look, Sammy grew up in in the Dominican Republic, uh, shining shoes and selling oranges. He was one of the most street smart guys I have ever seen. Uh, He had the million megawatt smile. He always knew where that camera was. You know, the the camera kiss to his mom who was watching the games back in the DR. Uh, All of those things, I don't say, are calculated, but those were all things that I think endeared him to the sporting public in Chicago uh, You know, nobody was going to be Michael Jordan in that city but for one summer Sammy Sozo was as popular and as big as Michael Jordan was because of the million megawatt smile because of the incredible accomplishments that he was doing because he was trying to lead the Cubs franchise out of the, the doldrums of really bad baseball teams since 1989 uh, and he did it I don't want to say single-handedly but he did it on a huge national stage and got the team to the playoffs And for that, uh, the the postseason-starved fans in Chicago uh, came to love and embrace him. Uh, I don't know if the same is true for all of his teammates. Yeah, I'm sure he rubbed a few of them the wrong way. But ultimately, uh, Sammy put up big numbers, and the Cubs went to the postseason, and the guys that were on that team benefited from that. So I I would assume that if the the ledger were to be counted up, the, the scales of justice would probably be
1: even. Chip, you are a baseball lifer. As you mentioned, your family has been in the sport forever. I'm curious, from your perspective, since the summer of 98, have we ever seen anything like that again in the game of baseball?
0: Uh, you know the home run chase? No, uh, I, I you know I, I don't think so. I, I think what we're seeing now is the renaissance of the game with so many great young players. Um, you know, it's so rewarding to see from Atlanta's perspective: Ozzy Albies and Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna uh, in your town, Jack Flaherty, and all the, the Cardinals guys that are coming up, and the terrific young players around the league. Uh, these guys are so talented and so good, and are getting to the major leagues at such an early age. Uh, I hope that. people People are um, able to enjoy that and see that it's a renaissance of our sport. That's that's maybe the closest comparison. I don't know that we're going to see guys hit sixty or seventy home runs again anytime soon. I'm sure some guys are going to flirt with it, but you know what joy we should all take if we love the game to see guys like Christian Yelich do what he does in Milwaukee. Uh, you know our guys in Atlanta. Um, it's 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 such a beautiful game. It's such a beautiful sport, and that's what I hope people are going to latch on to in the weeks and months and years ahead for our sport. Not the the craziness that's going on on now. And uh, if those young guys get a chance to, I think, shine and we can market them and we are allowed access to them and we allow their personalities to come forth, I think that that baseball will not only heal, but baseball is going to grow and get bigger and better, which is, I think, uh, what all of us hope is going to happen, and hopefully it'll happen soon.
1: I have two more quick questions for you, Chip. The first is I would be remiss if not to ask you at least about the downside of that summer and the reason why a lot of people remember that summer is because of the steroids and what McGuire and Sosa- ultimately became after that 98 season how does that change the way that you feel about what happened that summer if at all
0: Not at all. Uh, I don't live my life in hindsight. Uh, You know, I didn't know uh, what was going on, and maybe I was too naive to even imagine that. I still had, I guess, a romantic notion of of the way the game was played, and I'm sure that uh, the things that we think we know, there were more players that were doing things that they shouldn't have been doing uh, than we'll ever know. So I I kind of believe that in some ways the, the playing field was level and was balanced. Uh, and by that, I mean, if, if pitcher A is using and strikes out player B in the first inning and player B hits a home run off pitcher A in the fourth inning, seems to me that the scales of justice are pretty even, right? Uh, you know, maybe that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but that's, that's kind of my notion of it. Uh, but in the moment and in the moment itself, uh, it was unbridled joy. It was great. Uh, you know, we were seeing things that uh, no one could have dreamed of. And I would have loved to have seen uh, my grandfather's reaction. Hell, he grew up in the era of Babe Ruth. Uh, I mean, I remember the night that uh wire broke the record at bush stadium the cubs were in town i looked to my left and there's jack buck standing and crying uh as as that historic home run was hit and you know that was the nature the romantic side of baseball and that's the part that i cling to is no matter what was taken what was done or what we think we know guys still had to throw the ball catch the ball and hit the ball and that's kind of where i've kept it in my own mind and uh, i'll never ever forget 98 and the joy it brought so many people the great things it did for our sport and uh uh the the absolute Joy and, and, and uh, excitement I had in
1: being so, so and frankly, Mark
0: McGuire were doing.
1: Chip Carey was the voice of the Cubs in 1998. He is now the voice of the Braves. I'll get you out on this one, Chip. We obviously are now in a state of not being able to sell those young players because there is no baseball taking place right now. What's your overall view of what's taking place right now in baseball and what you hope ultimately comes from this?
0: Well, I'm disappointed that it's being played out so publicly. Uh, I don't think that's good or helpful. Uh, look, I understand the the uh, you know the labor fight, and the management fight, and there's millions and millions of dollars at stake. I get that. But I think this is the wrong fight at the wrong time. And I would hope that both sides would read the room. Uh, we've got civil unrest. We've got pandemics. We've got people dying. We've got unemployment. Uh, the time to argue about money isn't now, at least not publicly. And I, it's my hope that uh, we're going to come to a solution that doesn't involve the commissioner saying, here's what we're doing, boys, whether you like it or not. I don't think that would be a, a real equitable solution. I hope that Calmer heads will prevail. I hope we're going to have a season of 70 games or so. And I hope that uh, Rob Manford before he goes to the podium tomorrow for the MLB draft will be able to make some sort of announcement that baseball is back and we can get on with the business of talking about what we started this interview off with <laughs> instead of the daily drumbeat of good news, bad news, and the emotional roller coaster that goes on with it. I don't think fans want to read about that or care about that anymore, and that's what concerns me the most.
1: Chip, I hope that is certainly something Something that we're able to do. We we here locally hope we're able to watch the Cardinals. I know you hope you're able to watch the Braves. Let's hope we can get back to a sense of normalcy soon with the game of baseball. He's Chip Carry. He was the voice of the Cubs back in 1998. He is now the voice of the Braves. We always appreciate the ch- time, Chip. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today.
0: Thanks so much. You guys are much nicer to me than Danny Mac. I really that.
1: <laughs> I'll make sure to pass that along to Dan for you. Thanks, Chip. Well, he's the best. You guys in St. Louis
0: are so lucky to have him and I enjoy your show. I listen in my home from my home in Florida, so keep up the great work. We'll see you guys soon.
1: Absolutely. That's Chip Carey, okay. the former voice of the Cubs, now voice of the Braves, joining us here on Raves and BK on 101 ESPN.